You are listening to the Future Drive podcast. I'm Jermaine Muller, your host, and every episode I have conversations with great people working on even greater things, and you get to listen in. We talk about where they got started. Oh my goodness, like, I can't believe this is happening. Like, I'm going to work in TV. How do I, how do I even, like, I don't know how to present. <laughs> what do I do? What they've done. I started uh, paying me at home with, with no clients. I think uh, within the first six months, we had $600,000 turnover. The next uh, year, it was $9 million and then $15 million. The lessons they have learnt. But we did not get the grant. And we're about two weeks out and $20,000 down. And much, much more. I hope you enjoy. Hello, Future Tribe. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. On this episode, I've got Adrian King from two different businesses, actually. Tell us a little bit about what you do, Adrian. Hey, Jermaine. Uh, yeah, look, uh, I've got two businesses, which is, seems like a crazy thing to do. But, uh, you know, one, one of them is very new and one of them I've been doing for about 20 plus years. And, you know, the one I've been doing for most of my career has been animation and video production, more focused on the animation. And uh, it's kind of led to the, the new business, which is really, really exciting. So the first one's called Breadboat, which is the animation business. And we do a lot of animation for government, for technology, for science, explaining tricky, complicated subject matter, sometimes very uh, abstract ideas or complex ideas and distilling them down into really condensed, uh, smart, concise messages that can be transmitted to huge audiences in an animated format. And, and so I've had this career of 20 plus years in video and animation production. And what happened was it led to this new business because I had a client come to me and say, hey, can you put all this sort of animated intro and title onto our videos for us? And we're gonna make 30 videos every single week. And they're just a single shot of about 90 seconds. And we want you to put our animated logo at the beginning and a call to action at the end and some branding on them. And I thought to myself, wow, that's really great bread and butter. I'm just going to make a killing out of doing this. It's great. Just like, but then it's going to be really boring, right? Somebody's going to be sitting down, it's working. I'm going to have one of my team members working on this stuff all week, putting, punching out this stuff. And it's going to be, I've got to be able to automate this, right? It's got to be something that I can find a way to make this simpler and faster. And that set me off on this path, which has now become Breviate, which is a separate business. And, and that's uh, the one that I'm kind of working pretty hard to promote at the moment too. Yeah, right. So Redboat is a bit more of an established um, business. And then you've got Brivio. How old's Brivio? That's about a year and a half, but we only really released uh, on the App Store in February on Valentine's Day this year. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So Brivio is an iPhone or an iOS app at the moment, isn't it? Yeah. So Brivio is an app and a uh, it's kind of growing into a bit more of a platform. But at the moment, you, you, you download the app on the iPhone and what it does is it enables anyone with zero training, zero skills, zero know-how or anything like that, anyone can do it, to create branded and captioned videos really, really fast and really easily. So puts your tops and tails with your branding on it and adds captions across the bottom. Right. And then where does the footage come from? Is that, can you shoot, just shoot that on your iPhone or can you bring in different bits and pieces of footage or a mix? Yeah, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, you can film within Brivio, so you can film a, a single shot. Let's say you want to do a 60-second or two-minute video uh, on your phone. You film it in Brivio, or you can import a video that you've created elsewhere. 
Right. And we, we're sort of really jumping into the, to the meat of, of the episode yeah. already, but tell me a bit about how you, like, did you get a team together to build the app? I know maybe the craze has sort of dropped off a little bit now, but um, a few years ago, everyone wanted an app for everything. And, you know, there's different qualities of apps like there's and there's different types of apps there's apps that you can download from an ios store but then there's what's essentially a web app that you just use through a window on your phone tell me a little bit about the how you put it together and who you used yeah great question jermaine because it was an epic journey to get there like we really spent a year and a half developing this and i had no idea how hard that was going to be to you know to do the development Uh, i've bit of a technical background in my skill set as well as creative and stuff with the animation but um, yeah certainly a journey and we tried several different technologies to make it work including progressive web apps and you know like multi-platform but we ended up having to rebuild the technology from scratch in order to make it work um, because uh, it requires a lot of heavy video processing and so yeah, some of some of the initial attempts weren't so good. How it all started was I had this idea because this client said to me, we want to do this. And I said, well, maybe I can automate this. And I had a bit of a conversation with them. They said, yeah, that'd be great if we could just kind of like upload the video and it just comes back to us. That'd be great. And I thought, great, I'm going to make this systematized and because I'm sure other people are going to want this. And so I built a prototype. I mocked it up. I did a little bit of basic prototyping. You know, actually the first thing I did was I built, I did the lean startup method. Everybody's probably heard of the lean startup. If you haven't, that's definitely a book you should read. And so I did the lean startup. I built a web form and I said, and, and it kind of mimicked the process of how to like a field say, upload video here, put in your title, blah, 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 uh, put in colors, choose a background and that kind of thing. And it didn't really do anything. It just pretended to be the process of putting, and, and I showed a few people and they said, yeah, great, I could use this. And so that was kind of my first sort of validation. So then I built the proper prototype and brought a developer on to help with that. And you know, we built this very, very rough prototype. And I realized, you know, I, might, I probably need to get some funding to develop this properly. So I, I started on that path and I then met uh, the Canberra Innovation Network and uh, they heard about the Griffin Accelerator. And so I applied to be to get onto that because they, they sort of mentor the people that get, uh, get into the accelerator program and they put a bit of funding into it and uh and i got in we had had to pitch it's a bit like shark tank except friendly and there's like 20 investors and mentors there and i had to pitch for five minutes in front of them answer all their questions and god that was nerve-wracking but really worthwhile and then i got in and so i spent like three to four months in an intensive incubator space or accelerator program validating that this was a viable product and building the first expanding on the first prototype yeah right right wow so let's rewind a little bit um give me an idea first of uh, because i've got a bunch of questions that i've just noted down um but the the first one is how how old are you if you don't mind me asking you've had a business for 20 years so i would assume you're at least 21 but how old are you yeah, I am at least 21. Yeah, <laughs> I'm old enough to know better and young enough to not really care that much. <laughs> <laughs> so so you got into, did you start a business as soon as you left sort of 
traditional education? No, I look go way back. I grew up in the UK, and uh, although I've got family that originate here in Australia, I, I was born in the UK and um, you know, family from both sides and dual, dual citizenship. And, and I did uni in uh, Leicester in the UK, and uh, I was always fascinated by tech and design, the kind of crossover in that. And I ended up getting a job in London doing animation for computer games which was really the dream job for a kind of early 20s young guy, right? It was just back then, it was fantastic. So, but then I kind of got a bit tired after a couple of years of doing that and um, of London, really. I was just, it's England. It's so, you know, I, I've been to Australia before and I knew I'd got family out here. I was like, I want to go and live in Australia for a while. And so I moved out here, immigrated here and um, did a bit of traveling on the way and ended up in a job out here. So. It was two years of working in London, two years of working in Sydney in post-production for TV and film. And then I got, then I set up my first business and it was like, oh, you know what really set it off was I was always maybe a bit arrogant or ambitious. I just was like, I can do better than my employers. And the way they're treating me is terrible. And I always thought this is not the way it should work. Uh, I work, I found out how much money they were making from this project we were doing and we were all working crazy hours and I was just like, no, that's not fair. So I went out and I set up, it was back then nobody was really doing this kind of stuff. And I, I just went right for it. I'm just going to, oh, am I allowed to swear? <laughs> yeah. We'll just bleep it out. So it's all good. <laughs> all right. So uh, I just went Eep, it, and set up an ABN and started. And I just started asking people, Hey, do you want some animation done for your TV thing or whatever it is? And, and started building up a client base. And, I was really lucky because I had a part-time job teaching animation. So, And you're still in Sydney at this point? This was back in Sydney, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, because I lived there for 18 years. And so I had this part-time job, and that was what helped me get started in my own business. Yeah, that, and then it took off, and it was like, okay, I can't keep the part-time job now. I just have to focus on my business. Yeah, I mean, that's... That's a lovely way to do mm. it as well, right? Have a bit of, um, and, and, you know, I guess a few points to touch on there. First, it's, I don't think it's arrogant to think that you can do, you can do a better job. It's sort of what drives everyone to do. I think all, all companies exist because you feel like you can do a better job. And, and um, mm. I, I talk about this a lot where some people sort of put their hand up because I think business exists to serve and ultimately whoever serves better will, will win. And some people might put their hand up and go, no, business exists to make money. And, you know, it doesn't matter how you make money. That's all that matters is that you make money. But I would argue that it sounds to me like you wanted to create a better way of doing something. And there's a reason that you would win out or, or you'd continue to, like you've, you've been around for 20 plus years in the business. And there's a reason why people would pick you over and over again. And that is, that is because you provide value versus sort of necessarily just you know some other sort of I guess aspect or element to what you do and then as an extension of that as well um, you talked about the fact that you essentially used a job to fund your ultimate goal and what you wanted to do which I just think you shouldn't it shouldn't be neglected. I think nowadays there's a bit of a culture of dump it all, you know, just, just go into your business, take, take all the loans that you can. And, um, and, and, you know, people talk about, oh, in my first few years, I was, I had five credit cards and I was maxing each of them out. But, but there's something to be said for, for actually, you know, it's more sustainable to take money from one thing and pump it into what, what's your, what your real passion is. 
is that how you were thinking about it at, at that time was I'm just going to yeah. do this until I move, can move into this full time? I look, I think my idea about why I set up my own business and why I was doing it changed and it evolved over time. I think when I first started it, it I think it was partly about the money. It was like, well, I know I'm good at this job and I enjoy doing it. So why don't I set up a business where I kind of make more money, basically doing the same thing. And the challenge I think though, is and the reason why a lot of people go into business for themselves is, is they're good at what they do. And so, and they want to kind of more, have more control over their own time and not be their own boss. And that was kind of partly it. I didn't really like working for other people. I just wanted to be my own boss and have more flexibility. But it actually turned into a situation where, and, for, and this, this is what happens for most people who go into business for themselves, is you own your own job. You still have a job, all right? So you don't have an exit plan. You don't have a way out. And that was something I started to realize after a couple of years. And I realized, you know, I, I, I'm still doing the same stuff. Uh, I just have a bit more flexibility with my time. But then, you know, that's kind of got a downside too, because I could end up working in the evenings and gets really busy and stuff. And, uh, you know, what if, and, and if I, if there's no work on then, and no clients come in the door, then, hey, I can't go on holiday because I don't have money. You know? So it changes the dynamic. And I think what a lot of people don't think about when they go into business is what's the long-term vision? You know, with a, with a job, you've got a salary and, and at least it used to be anyway. I mean, these days it might be a bit different because jobs are not as secure as they used to be but the way it used to be is you have a job and that's your security set whereas people go into business there's less security but you have a goal which is maybe to build a business up to bring on investors to sell the business much like you would build a property and sell that and then then you retire and so that so after a couple of years of two or three years i think i started to get that picture of yeah i kind of need to think rethink how i'm doing business and and I brought on a close friend at the time who uh, to become a business partner. And we, we sort of changed the structure of the business. We built it up and we did it really, really well for five years and doubled our turnover every single year for five years straight, which was pretty impressive from you know, a garage thing. We didn't have any investors, no capital investment. I think we just totally bootstrapped the business. Um, but we did the classic thing, which is to overcapitalize and sort of you know, over diversify too quickly and had overheads that weren't sustainable. And, and in, there was a downturn in the market and things got really competitive. And then we had to sort of close the business down. And so I scaled it back again. He, he went off to go and do something else. And I scaled it back to what I was doing before and had to rethink the business completely. And then, and I read this amazing book back then called, oh, what was it called? The Network Economy or something like that by, uh, I always forget the guy's name. He's some guy who started like uh, Wired Magazine, I think it's, anyway. So it's basically the concept was that the future of business is networked businesses, not these monolithic businesses that own lots of stuff and have big overheads. The future is flexible businesses that cooperate and collaborate. And that picture stuck in my mind. And so I reformatted the animation business to, to be really low overhead, really flexible, really agile. And it let me travel, let me live up in the Northern Rivers for a couple of years, travel for three years whilst I kept this business going. I traveled all over New South Wales and ACT, house sitting and traveling and exploring a lot of Australia. And um, 
you know, that was really interesting having this lean, agile business model. But the problem with that, it was not as scalable. Yeah. So there's, there's all these different ways you can approach business. But the thing that most people forget is to what's the end game? Where are you going to go? What do you want to get out of this? Where do you want to be in 10 years, five years, 10 years time? Do you want to build it up? The, the, the way I always put it is, you know, you would never leave your house without knowing your destination. I, I can't think of an instance where, where anyone could actually say, no, that's exactly, exactly what I would do. And business is the same thing. But instead of thinking, you know, where am I going in the next 10 minutes, you've got to think, where am I going in 10 years time? And how can I sort of, you know, what are the, what are the directions, whether it's the exact directions that I believe, or I mean, not, not obviously business, you, you talked about how it's unpredictable, you've got control over everything. But the beauty of that as well is that there are things that you can control, of course, and you control as much as you can. And if you, you know, there's no, there's no ceiling to what you can do where in a traditional job for 10 years, okay, there's you can you can get promoted and you can sort of move up the ranks but at some point unless you challenge the owner um you're not yeah. going to be able to keep moving up yeah, yeah there's, there's a limit exactly there's and that limit is not really dictated by you either it's sort of this um it's dictated by the parameters around who you work for yeah. which to some people's i mean you know if you like predictability it's it's wonderful isn't it because you you can map it all out and there's a fairly you can you can say, you know, every, every X, X period of time, I'm going to get X promotion, which will come with X pay rise, which means that, you know, at this point in my life, I'll be on this much income and I can have this many dependents and this kind yes. of loan. And it's beautiful. Yeah. But yeah. if you like a bit of chaos <laughs> and yeah. unpredictability, you have to get into business and sort of know, I think you've, it's, it's always a fine balance of knowing that it'll be okay and it'll be fine. But also wanting to work so that it'll be okay and it'll be fine. You can't just sort of dump it all and go tomorrow, I'm going to start a business and it'll be fine. And I'm not going to work towards it. I'm not going to put a plan around that. Yeah. That's really, uh, really insightful, Jermaine. Like it's, it, it, you know, and when I first started having that job on the side really, really helped. So, you know, jumping into stuff, like if you, unless you have the funds to be able to do it, like, you know, to be able to survive and you've got like a year's worth of runway or more and you sort it, then you kind of just have to find a way to manage the chaos. Like you said, you know, you've got the, the reliable income of a job or salary and, and, and that can, you can plan for life with that, you know, get married, have kids, have a mortgage, et cetera, et cetera, have two holidays a year, all that kind of stuff. But when you go into business for yourself, you it's harder to plan that kind of stuff. And so, you know, it's a challenge. And, and so being able to manage that is really, really important part of, part of actually running a business, being able to manage your life so that you sustain yourself is really important. You know, a mentor said to me years back, uh, one of my mentors back in Sydney said, there are three rocket ships to enlightenment. He said, the first one is to have your own business. So it's kind of like rocket ship number one. You want to get enlightenment, have a business. The second one is to have a relationship. So it's like rocket ship number two goes faster, all right? <laughs> it goes higher. <laughs> the third one is to have kids, have a family, rocket ship number three. These are the three rocket ships. I've only done number one. Well, I've, had, I've had rocket ship number two, but we crashed and burned a couple of times. And so <laughs> hey, this rocket sometimes happens, I've right? I've crashed and burned that a couple of times too, you know? <laughs> exactly. I, like, you know? That's rocket ship number one. I haven't had rocket ship number three yet, but we'll see. 
anyway, look, those these are the things, you know, you, you go for the ambitious, like how much am I going to grow in my life if I just keep doing this sort of predict, have a predictable, predictable life. It's great. I'm going to enjoy it. It's going to be map out, map it out. And I can create all of these, these things, have a comfortable house and a life and a, you know, all of that stuff. Or do I want to embrace the chaos and go for my ambitious dreams and goals uh, and see what I can achieve? And, you know, it's not for everybody, I don't think. I think um, there's pros and cons to both. Sometimes I think, yeah, it would be great to have just, you know, had a, a much simpler life and be able to predict all these things. I could still do, have great adventures. Um, but um, d- just different sorts, you know. Do, do you think that the people who feel like, you know, their goal or, or like part of their, not necessarily their calling, but, you know, part of their purpose is to have a business. Do you think it's almost then like, and and I sort of feel this way, so I'm interested to hear what you think is, I feel like it's almost my purpose. It's almost like it'd be incorrect not to, at the very least, explore it. Like, okay, it can crash and burn. That's fine. But I, I you know, if I feel like I've, I have that potential, it's it's almost you know, unfair to myself, let alone the potential impact that I can have uh, and therefore, you know, unfair to other people if I don't sort of explore it and, t- and tap into it. Do, do you sort of agree with that or how do you sort of look at that drive that you might have, that sense of entrepreneurship, exploration, innovation? Yeah, I like that, Jermaine. That's great. Um, being unfair to oneself. Yeah. Uh, I, I think, yeah, in some way I, I agree with that. It's like if you, have a creative desire, you have a burning desire to, you want to do something, you want to create something, whether it be to make a piece of artwork or a sculpture to put on the wall or, you know, or to have a family and create a, a wonderful, stable environment for your family or to create a business and to do something like that or to create a charity and do something great for the world. Uh, it's, if it's a strong enough desire, and, you know, I think I come back to desire. Desire is where it is. People say, desires is bad things in the evil blah 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 and it's the fruit of all evil all stuff. rubbish desire is actually motivating us it, it drives us to do great things uh sure it can you know the wrong type of approach to desire can lead us astray but it can be well, well, well to ju- jump thing. in there it's it's yeah. more what you've got to explore is the root of that desire that could be a bad thing right desire itself isn't a bad thing it's it's if yeah. the root of it is to you know global domination that might not be um that might not be the best but if the root of it that desire is to help more people or to create a safer home for for your family like that desire then is oh it's it's fine obviously you then it becomes a matter of what actions you take to make that that desire reality but you know that's what i would argue and it's sorry to yeah. cut you off but yeah, no, no, I think you're right. And, and it's, a, it's an important distinction. But I think also if your desire is to put world domination or to enslave the human race, then I think you're just missing the point, right? <laughs> so just, you know, get with the program uh, because that's not the point. And it's probably not the root desire of these, pro- yeah, that's probably coming from fear or anger or resentment or whatever it is or control or that kind of stuff, you know? And, and when you do enough work on yourself and you clear your emotional baggage and stuff you find that actually desire is a beautiful thing because we all actually have love in our heart and we all value contribution and get a real real hit and a real buzz from contributing to the world and 
having a business with vision and purpose is, yeah, and, and this is something I hear a lot recently over the last few years is people talking more and more about the importance of having a mission or vision and a purpose, purpose-led businesses. And so, and, and how that really is a powerful driver for business, not just a business model or a great product or great customer service or great marketing, but actually having something which is purpose-led. And I think and that's resonating a lot more these days with customers, consumers, the younger generation. Having a purpose is very important. Yeah, well, I mean, they also look at it, I guess, the younger generation. And with this freedom to access so much information, you can look into a business and a, and a company and understand whether their values align with yours, whether, you know, mm-hmm. just, just yesterday I was talking to, we had a family dinner and we were talking about ethical sourcing and the freedom or the 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 information that we can tap into these days that lets us educate ourselves on on the supply chain and so ultimately even that that level of transparency means that um i think businesses need to be better just just even if even if they were like you know i i love nike for example but i think we were looking through how nike defines what they do and why they do it and you know this might be um improper of me to say but i think what the 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 way they've defined themselves is in in a positive light so that the younger generation will keep buying nike you know talking about sustainability and innovating in products to sort of enable everyone and you know um nike is for athletes and then there's an asterisk and the asterisk says nike believes that if you're a human you're an athlete and you know it starts to get uh, to me that's commercially driven but when you're starting a small business you don't yeah. really have that freedom. You have to be good from the ground up because, um, or, you know, yeah. one or two customers can can be 10% of your whole client base. Mm. Yeah, that's right. So there's sort of sort of this importance for you to have, be purpose-led and truly purpose-led as well. That's right. And, and, and being purpose-led, uh, not just for marketing purposes, you know, <laughs> uh, because like you can go, yeah, well, we're going to be a purpose-led business uh, because that's really good for marketing and it's going to get us more customers because customers want purpose-led businesses. And then, you know, you've just kind of shot yourself in the foot because all you're going to do is be trying to appear purpose-led. And it's, you've got to tap into something which is more human. You've got to tap into, you know, the business owners have to have their own personal reason for doing this. And the same applies for the team. You know, you've got to, if you're, if you're, running a business to be able to instill a vision and a sense of purpose to the team is a very powerful thing. If it's just done for marketing, then it's just not going to carry as well. You know, it's, it's not quite the same. I mean, maybe at a, 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 when you're a global corporation, you can get away with that kind of stuff, but certainly if it's small businesses, it, it doesn't resonate. You know, the thing about like some, some of the stuff we do for Brivio is, with Brivio is we're helping small businesses to connect with audiences to reach out and create branded videos really quickly and easily, right? So we we have a lot of conversations with small business owners is about branding and reaching out to and connecting with audiences and what that means. And some of the interesting things about things that people have said to me is, well, what is branding? Well, branding is the logo or it's your color scheme or it's your image or it's your tagline. Is it? But then the really interesting conversations come back and they say, no, no, it's none of that stuff. Actually, it's your promise. It's, it's your vision and your purpose and, and the, the message, like your future theory and the, the promise you give to people, which you told me earlier on, 
yeah What's yeah exactly um, which is to make your goals come true essentially goals come true exactly yeah. it's like yeah. you know, having a, a reason for doing it um and that really is powerful on a small business level because the people that you you're reaching whether it be through social media or your networks uh, putting out videos or social media posts or being in podcasts like we're doing now are going to trust you if you're a small business because you're part of the local community. There's, an, there's a much, what I'm trying to say is it's easier to trust smaller businesses who you are closer to than it is to trust a brand, a mega brand that is that, That's just everywhere and ubiquitous. Everywhere. Exactly. Yeah. Because you feel closer to the people of the business and so especially on social media and you're more likely to get a response from the business that is personal and so it's easier to build that level of trust and so yeah there's much it's a very different experience to uh you know or approach the social media and, and brand and brand message if you like well and even having and, and having that purpose i've found at at a more even operational level um makes it really easy when we are make, trying to make decisions um for us internally we try, we have a mission to you sort of pre pre-recording of this episode um that we look at rebranding and sort of explaining our position and you know making decisions along the way one thing i turn to is how does it sort of answer how does it serve our ultimate goal and it becomes very easy for example like part of part of it is that we we want to employ people locally get people on the team get people in person i think mm-hmm. moving forward especially there's this there's this is huge thing we've probably you know every generation's heard it where technology is going to kill x amount of jobs or get rid of x amount of jobs and yeah. and you know we're seeing that like we do um, you would have you would have seen that from from sort of the animation side because people are going to say, well, technology means that you know you can just outsource it to X Y Z or you can just automate it. For us, that's websites companies like Squarespace who just go do it yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But for us, what it comes back to, and I would hazard a guess that for you is the same, is that we want to assemble a team of humans who mm-hmm. want to help humans and who want to communicate with humans and ultimately no matter how good ai gets no matter how good software gets they can think like a human but they can't think as a human if if that sort of is a distinction enough so for us it becomes you know serving people fundamentally is going to mean that we we will serve people and therefore we can't be removed because because there has to be a human in this equation and, and for you you're using software yes through brevio but Ultimately, that is designed for people, and there's going to be a limit to, you know, in skilled hands, Brivio could be would be much better than in less skilled hands because you've still got to get the get the message right within the video. You've still got to, you know, identify who you're talking to and talk to them how they want to hear you versus just making a video because that can be anything, right? I'm sure you've experienced the whole spectrum of good to bad videos. Hello, Future Tribe. I just wanted to take a break from this episode to talk to you, yes you, about the fact that you are listening to this episode, but you're not subscribing. So go ahead, hit the subscribe button right now. It really helps us out. I should also ask you to join our Facebook community. There's a link in the description. Check out the YouTube channel for unedited full-length clips of the podcast. 
and tell your friends. Ask them to subscribe. If you have any suggestions of who we should try and get on the podcast next and who we should have a conversation with, reach out to us. All our social links and contact details are in the description. That's it from me for now. Back to the episode. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'll tell you a little story. When I first, so again, my whole career has been behind the video camera or looking through the lens of the screen and editing and, and post-production. And so I was scrutinizing every little pixel. And with Brivio, I started to have to put myself in front of the camera to actually show how this works and do my own little videos. And, and, and my God, the first time I put myself on camera, I was terrified. I was doing an interview for something and I was just like, I was, I froze up. I couldn't speak properly. I sounded weird. I was like, I didn't know what to do with my hands. Should I look at the lens? Should I, I was just like, that's crap. And so, you know, even with this career of directing and, and so on, other people, it, it was hard. And it, because there's, there is that human element to putting yourself in front of the camera. Um, and so, yeah, it was definitely a journey to be able to present and to put myself on camera. And there are a whole bunch of things that you can learn and tips and tri- tricks and techniques and to learn that stuff. And anybody can do it, really. It's just a matter of you know, going, going through the process of getting comfortable with it, learning a few tricks and te- tips and techniques. But, yeah, that's, I think, what you were saying, going back to the AI sort of thing about, you know, replacing people's jobs and things, is you can't really replace the why. You can't. I don't know, maybe you can, but maybe one day we'll be able to, but I don't think at the moment you can get things like artificial intelligence and machine learnings to kind of really have a fully conceptual reasoning or understanding of why we should be doing something, why we should do this instead of that, or why X, Y, Z is better than this. And that's where the human judgment comes in. And it's a very subjective thing. So yeah, I think those types of jobs where that level of reasoning come in, creative reasoning, things that will be very hard for AI to, uh, to replace. Um, going off on a tangent here with AI, but hey, <laughs> it's, it kind of still comes back to that human thing of, of purpose and you know, why are we doing stuff? You know, what are we doing here on the planet? The more we're connected with the why, like, okay, can I just diverge into another little story? Yeah, about go Brisbane? for it, go for it. The animation business, thanks. I, as I love this is another little one that I was doing a... I've always been doing lots of trainings throughout my life. I've always been putting myself into new learning experiences, trying to kind of advance myself and grow personally. And one of the ones I did was uh, in Sydney about five or six years ago. Uh, I did the entourage training with Jack Delosa's team in uh, in Sydney. And it was great. It was really, really good. I mean, people, some people love it. Some people hate it. But I had a great time. I went through their whole training. One of the most important things I got out of it was the connecting with uh, the vision for the business. And so previously, Redboat used to be, we did a lot of advertising, marketing. We was, did a little bit of technology stuff, a little bit of science communication. And um, when I connected with the, the real vision for the business, this sort of sense of purposefulness, that changed the business. And I'd always had this conflict with me. It's like, yeah, I'm good at what I do. I'm good at running this business. We do great animation. I've got a great team of animated designers and people that rely on it. And we do great stuff, great script writing. All of it's fantastic. But 
a lot of it's marketing. It's been sort of like, you know, selling stuff. And I had this push pull of like, well, there's something else inside me as a person that wants to express itself uh, that wasn't feeling like it sat perfectly well with the business, which was about communication and marketing. And when I resolved that, it all clicked into place. And that was getting in touch with this one little set of words. And that was why, why am I doing this? And that is to move human thinking forward. And I have, sorry, that somebody's pinging me on Slack. That's all right. There's, uh, when I got those words and I was helped by the team and the entourage to kind of connect with that, it was like, oh, yes. If I can make my business a manifestation of this purpose, this is kind of like my personal reason for being here on this planet to move human thinking forward. It felt emotionally like, oh, I'm fulfilling something in myself personally through my business and the business is creating value for the planet, the people, the customers, everything. It's a win, 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 win. All around, yeah. And it changed the business. And over the next couple of years, I had, I, I, without even really trying, just having that statement present for me and, and repeating that and even putting it on the website, that's my vision, that's the vision for the business, just seemed to attract different customers. And we started getting really big, interesting projects that were about... Um, uh, the Great Barrier Reef or environmental stuff, um, helping people with uh, understanding government policies or uh, the marine parks or uh, blockchain or technology, really interesting things. And the marketing and sales stuff, which is more advertising-y type stuff for products and things, started to just drop away. And I didn't even have to do anything to actually try that. It was just connecting with the vision made a huge difference in the business somehow on some level. I don't know how it works yeah. and the mechanics of it, well, but it just did. I mean, I guess there's surely an element of you, especially when you're starting off, the, the individual is the business, right? So I'm sure as an extension of you thinking that way, the business to an extent also thought that way because at least initially when you're starting off, for all intents and purposes, that is you are the business and therefore you, how you think is how the business thinks. I... I can't believe, like genuinely, um, I wasn't expecting the purpose behind what you do to be so separate almost because I've always wondered, like, I know why we do what we do. And now to come, now come to think of it, it's almost really quite, quite separate. But you use animation to move human thinking forward. And, and, and like I just didn't think that, that that's where this conversation was going to go. But that is that is I could see how that could be so enlightening and so powerful because then that that informs the decisions that you make. And um, you know, you might not do it sort of very manually, and you might not do it intentionally, but it would also affect who you work with and the types of projects that you do. We we've got that to an extent as well. Where again, the more we've started focusing on why we do what we do, we've being even more comfortable saying no to projects. Like a few months ago, there was a project that came in. It would have been humongous. This person wanted to start essentially his own little car sales and car sales is a really big website, but Mm. it was all money driven. And I could tell from the conversation, the fact that, you know, the emails were short. It was just like, this is specs. Just give me a price. I said, that's not how we work. Can we meet? I don't want to meet. Just give me a price. Just give me a price. I just want to get this done as cheap as possible. And when we ask ourselves the question of, 
is this what we want to do? Is this, you know, okay, we talk about making goals come true. Might this be this person's goal? But I guess as a, as a layer of that for us is also making, asking, is this, is this for the, for the better of, you know, bettering of society, communities, is this helping someone? We sort of came back to, this is just going to be helping some guys sell more cars that could be of questionable Mm. quality, could be of, could be of amazing quality, but, but ultimately it doesn't sort of fit in. And, you know, even, even for you, I'm sure you've found this as well, where when you have, when you've taken on projects, sometimes there are moments of maybe not for you, but for me, I've definitely had moments of sort of financial desperation of like, we just got to accept this because it's, there's not enough money in the bank to make payroll next week or whatever. And you take on a project and you realize this thing just, it doesn't align with what, what I'm trying to do. And therefore it's a chore. It's gone from, you know, you could animate one thing that is beautiful. Like you just put in so much time that, that you don't, yeah. you don't even feel time pass and you could spend yeah. half his time on something else and go, that felt like it took four times longer Yeah, because it doesn't align with ultimately, and the beauty of, I guess, being your own boss or being the, the business um, is that you can decide to say no to projects and you don't have to, you don't have to push your morals yeah. and ethics sometimes where uh, I know people who, yeah. you know, we're in very, even like sales assistants who have to sort of blur their own morals and ethics because, hey, you've got KPIs to meet and if you don't, the retailer is going to really blast you and your manager is going to be in trouble and you don't have that control. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Uh, it's, it's such an interesting subject. Like, you know, I've, I've certainly had times where it's been hard to, you know, meet all of the obligations of running and owning a business. It's, well, that's just part of having a business is you're always aware of that and it's, sometimes it's easier and sometimes it's harder. Um, there's always challenges with that. But there's... Also, this thing of taking on projects for money versus taking on projects for purpose, you know, doing the right thing or the thing that's right for you as a business, as a people, as humans. And in my experience, every time I've taken on a project which has felt that it's more about money and that kind of, well, we need to make make ends meet and or we need to put money in the bank and this is a good opportunity to make some money and it's not necessarily aligned with the vision every single time it's been harder more difficult and usually not as profitable Mm -hmm. as the things that are more purpose-led and i put it down to when things are purpose-led and you're sort of aligned with them and it feels good to be doing them to doing the work it's easy to get out of bed in the morning and roll into work and do it because it feels good. There's a, a sense of, um, I suppose, optimism and reason for doing it that is beyond the money. And that's powerful. Whereas if you're doing some things because you have to, it doesn't feel great. You know, it's kind of a trap. It's, it's harder. And that somehow creates resistances and complexities in the workplace, in the job, in the client relations, and all of that kind of stuff that make, make it harder financially profitability just more difficult in 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 the long run so you know i'd be fascinating to see if anybody's done any research somebody somewhere probably done some research looking at that type of you know to see whether there is profitability differences between purpose-led and non-profit non-purpose-led businesses 
be really interesting to see. It, it probably has a lot to do. I mean, talking about the fact that inevitably, you know, when, when you don't necessarily take on stuff that's purpose-led, there tends to be more issues. It tends to just, it just tends to not, not work as well. I'm sure it's something to do with mindset as well, right? Because if it's something that's purpose-led, a problem might not look like a problem. A problem might just look like a little little road bump on the way versus a, a huge yeah. closed gate that keeps you out. Yeah. So um, I'm yeah. sure I'm sure it's that has to do. Exactly. It, it gives, the attitude is different. Mm. But, you know, it doesn't mean that we should all run around, you know, being at charity cases with our businesses and suddenly trying, you know, spending all of the profits on. We've still got personal goals and visions uh, for profitability. So it's, you still have to have all of that business logic and business models and, and, and be accountable uh, as a business. It doesn't mean you just suddenly go off and start trying to save the planet because you can't do it. It's got to be sustainable. It, well. well, exactly. The, the, ultimately... Just because you're doing something purpose-led, the realities, the physics, the the fact of how everything works does don't just cease to exist, right? Just because you're doing trying to do something purpose-led, the you know your um, electricity provider isn't going to say, "Don't worry about it; that electricity is free," or or whatever it may be. So it's ultimately got to, got to sort of work. Like it's one thing that I thought about when I got into the business full time was if I had to work and at the time it was you know if i had to do like a a sales assistant type role on the weekends or if i had to um you know finish work at five o'clock at six o'clock start cleaning someone's someone's office um until nine o'clock to then fund the business i was Mm. willing to do that i was like if that's what it takes, knowing that that's not forever it's just when i'm starting off when things are quiet when when you're trying to build things up it's it's sort of you know, for me, that wouldn't have been much at all. It would have just been, you know, a way of accepting the realities, the physics, the the things that life entails and the systems that we've built, just realizing that I've got to play the game. I can't, I can't sort of go, I'm going to remove myself from these things that dictate everyone else's life, like bills and, mm. and the need to eat, for example. Um, I'm just going to look at ways where I can, I can still do it all um, and, and, you know, make some money separately if, if that was the problem at the time. I did have another question. This goes back to way earlier when you talked yeah, about... we've got a real deep dive. <laughs> oh, and so many tangents. <laughs> but but yeah. that's, that's what this is all about. I, 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 love, I, I love this. Um, you talked about Accelerator. So you went to Griffin Accelerator. I want to just yeah. talk to you a little bit about what, why you went to an accelerator, what you, how you thought about yeah. that, how you chose to take, what is yeah. it? I would assume there was some investment, monetary investment there as yep. well. And why yep. you, how you sort of factored all that into the decision that you made versus just trying to sell funding, for example. Yeah, yeah. Good. That's a brilliant question, Jermaine. It opens up a whole uh, load of really interesting subjects. Um, so when I first... Okay, so I'll, get, I'll backtrack a little bit more. Uh, one of the other things I learned when I was around about the time that I was getting in touch with my the vision that we've spoken about was this concept of what is a startup? What is the business life cycle? You know, from startup, proof of concept, MVP, startup, to growth, to scale, and then to exit. And there's this kind of like curve that kind of 
start off slow and then growth and scale and then exit and or sometimes ipo for the big ones and this kind of curve that goes up was kind of new to me and it goes back to what we was mentioning earlier on we were discussing this the reasons for getting into business and not and most people not having an idea of an exit and and seeing this picture really clearly for me gave me a sense of ah uh well how do you go on this journey to have like let's say a five or ten year journey with a business where you can exit at the end of that and sell it and then have enough money to pay off your house or you know start up another venture or maybe retire and when when i say retire i don't mean go and you know live on the farm i mean do whatever you want to do in life have the right? freedom having, to well, yeah for money to not not be a constraint yeah exactly and so this sort of picture of the business life cycle made me understand the value of capital and the value of investment in businesses and why people raise capital at startup stage and uh, and growth stages in the business and things like seed angel investors uh, seed and seed funding series a series b funding and ipos and what that does for a business it gave me a picture of ah oh, i understand why those things are valuable now because the more money you have at the binny the more capital you have in the business at the beginning the, the faster you can grow and otherwise you have to bootstrap it and it's a slow journey and you don't necessarily have the scale to be able to the funds to be able to put on a business development marketing manager or whatever it is to be able to do some advertising to bring in more sales uh, or to develop that product that's going to open up into a new market and so that's the value of having that capital and so though i realized when i had this idea for brivio i'm going to need some money and i don't really have enough money to do this by myself how am i going to do this and i now have this picture of well, I can go and see if I can find some angel investors to put some money in, to own a little bit of the equity. And I understand what they're going to get out of it. Their, their vision is to get a particular return on their investment. They might want to get 10, 20 times return on their investment, which is obviously a lot more than you can get in a bank or in a fund. Um, and they'll spend a little bit of their cash to be able to take a punt. And you know, if they believe in the business and if they believe in the founder. and so. I started to look at that as an option for Brivio. And I thought, right, well, I'll put together a pitch deck. And I started to show it to a couple of people who I knew were working and had connections in their space and to float the idea of, you know, could I raise $150,000 to make this a fast growth business? And what I realized was, actually, no, it was a course I did at the Canberra Innovation Network that uh, was about negotiating term sheets um, that was fantastic and i went and did this course at Canberra innovation network at talk that was a simulation of negotiating with investors to raise finance and uh, it was fantastic it was it was such an eye-opener that i realized i'm going to be eaten alive if i go and try and do this now without some sort of mentoring and coaching and the right type of people around me to grow my skill set to to be get my confidence up i will just get eaten alive you know they're just gonna i'll end up with no, nothing of the business or something like that and so i thought well you know what i need to find that place where i can get that mentorship how am i going to learn all this stuff because i've never done all this stuff before one i started looking at lots of books i was reading 
books about venture capital, startup funding, all that kind of stuff. And I learned a lot through that. But really, it was when I found out about the Griffin Accelerator, I went, ah, three or four months of dedicated immersion in that and really kind of having mentors around me that I can talk to all the time uh, on call would be fantastic. Um, And so, yes, it meant giving up a little bit of the business, like giving a percentage of the business up, but it also got a little bit of injection of funds to kickstart it as well. And so I thought, well, that's, I'll, I'll give it a go and see, see what happens rather than me trying to go straight out there and raise funding without that level of mentorship. I, I'll, I'll do this first. And that was my decision to apply for the Griffin Accelerator program. And, and I think that it paid off in that respect. Yeah. And, and I think one of those realizations that I had over, over the years is that money is a tool rather than this thing that you necessarily had to accumulate. It's just, a, it can be an exchange of, um, you know, it, it, in a business, it's, it's a tool, but also um, it's, it's something that someone gives you in exchange for value that you present to them. Right. So it's this thing that can take different um, shapes and forms. And um, I think there's, for for different people and you you make you can make a mistake of it right you can take take on too much debt because money is just a tool and um and then you can really end up damaging yourself and that's sort of looking at credit card debt and things like that but then you look at it as a tool for a business and it's a tool that can unlock you know more personnel it can unlock rapid growth hockey stick growth it can it can do do more and it's it's a conversation that i have with people sort of close to me in my life who are so so do they work traditional jobs and, and things like that so they look at money as this thing that they they work they earn they like there's a there's a there's a very finite cap around the parameters to which they can like they can't just you know earn more money tomorrow than they did today it's it's sort of very limited but then when you're running a business i think you've got a you've got to obviously respect that that money is, is is sort of something that you need to keep the lights on to pay people this responsibilities, but at the same time, it's this tool that there's no there's no cap to how much you know. There's nothing stopping a business from earning more money tomorrow than they did today, or yeah. ten times more money in two days than they did today. Um, so you've got to sort of look at it as a tool, and it looks like that is sort of that decision that you made, and obviously tapping into the expertise and the personnel and the network around you that you would have got access to through Griffin Accelerator as well, that would have been invaluable. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I vividly remember some of the conversations that were very challenging, chatting with mentors who have successfully built up a business over 10 years and sold it for millions of dollars, right? And they ask hard questions, questions I would never ask myself, and, and a lot of them I didn't want to hear. and you know, that's, that's valuable stuff, right? To have access to a pool of mentors who can ask those hard questions and challenge you a little bit. But also you know, access to investors as well. To be introduced to potential angel investors is, is valuable because how else do you meet them if you've just got an idea and you don't already work? Walk in those circles of, you know, what they, could talk, what they call other people's money, you know, with investors and stuff. Uh, yeah, it's a, a great way to find that because otherwise you're reading books, you're watching stuff on YouTube, listening to audiobooks, all that kind of stuff. Maybe doing some online courses. It's armchair stuff, right? You can yeah. only yeah. grow. It's so all much. theoretical, conceptual until yeah, yeah. until you know you actually have to do it and yeah, right. yeah. Um, have to sort of execute on that. I mean, 
uh, I, I'm sort of, we're looking at a similar thing of how can we sort of further our growth? Because for, for, for the last few years, it's very much been just reinvesting, reinvesting, taking low pay so that we can reinvest more into the business. But, mm. you know, that, that too reaches a limit because um, below a certain threshold, there's costs of living that, that have to be, mm have to be sort of accounted for. So you, know, you can't just go into go to zero or um, no matter how hard you try. So um, that's why I thought I'd sort of pitch that question to you, see how you sort of approached it and how you sort of answer those questions for yourself. Now, um, as we sort of wrap up, what do you hope to do mm-hmm. moving forward within the two different businesses? Will they, yeah. are they, are they sort of, has Red Boat continued to sort of stay at uh, the same size or are you looking at sort of trying to scale that up as well or how are you handling the two businesses? Yeah. Yeah. Look, interesting question. So, you know, the vision red boat, I love red boat. It's not something that I'll ever let go of or, well, I mean, look, Brivio is on a trajectory to grow. So that's my real passion baby at the moment is growing that. And so I put a lot of energy into that. And so, you know, that's, that's got a huge potential. Red boat is harder to scale, but it's such a valuable business. I love the work we do and it's, uh, I love it. It's, it's a wonderful thing that we create beautiful animations that really help people and, and for worthy causes and stuff. Like, you know, right now we're doing one for the United Nations Environment Program about the reef and stuff. And it's right. just wow. it's beautiful stuff. It's about saving our reefs and stuff and dealing with things. I did one recently for a, a new technology for, you know, which is addressing climate change sort of emissions and stuff, dealing with, it doesn't address climate change. It's, it's, just, it's part of the solution. Anyway, so stuff like that is always valuable and I want that to continue. So my vision for Rubo is to continue that and to grow that gently enough so that it can become something that sustains itself. Maybe bring on uh, some new partners, some collaborate with the right people or the right groups or the right other businesses to be able to take that further than I can by myself. And with Brivio, uh, yeah, that's that's something that has got a lot of growth ahead of it. And we're right at the beginning of that, really. So we really, I mean, you know, although we launched the app in February, it, we're still kind of in pre-launch, really, for where we where it can go. So it's early days, it's an early stage and a very exciting time for it because we're still developing and, and evolving it and pivoting it. Yeah, that's extremely exciting. Um, and, and I can tell from sort of how you talk about it that you just can't wait to see see where you can take it one last question before we sort of get into the top 12 when is there going to be an android app (laughs) (laughs) you know there's the million dollar question and you know if uh if i had a dollar for every time somebody asked me that question we would have an android app right now (laughs) so it's partly cash flow it's partly sort of you know when we when we you we've been refining the product to get it right and uh over the last six months and we've got a really good solid base product now the, the, the app is really a great platform, but uh, and and there's still lots to lot of a lot of new things we can do with that. But it is on the roadmap to do the Android version as soon as possible, and so it's partly a matter of um, getting the capital to do it, getting the right partners, the right people to, to come on board to help with that. And so yeah, we're we're actively sort of involved in working towards discussions. Yeah. Well, and once you get the iOS app at a place where you guys are happy with it then it's much easier to then go to someone and say, 
does the iOS app make an Android app that is that is the same? Because then then the yeah. question becomes, what technology do we need to use rather than what are we building? What technology what technology do we need to use? What does it look like? How does it function? Yeah, that's and all quite, that stuff yeah. as well. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm just yeah. I just yeah, use Android quite, devices. So that's that's why I asked. Yeah, I would love to say here it's ready. Put it, it's high on the agenda and um yeah. I, I can't say anything more. Well, than that you, at the it, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's it's a measured thing, right? Like, it, you can't do everything in one go. You've got to be like, careful about it because if you overextend yourself, just develop an app that could see the business go under completely if you sort of overcapitalize there. So it's all part of these calculations that you've got to make looking at the the ultimate exactly. destination. And if it takes you twelve yeah. months longer, but then you end up with a better Android app and a and a more sustainable business, that's always going to be better than just you know, answering the annoying Android fanboys like me who just wants an app to check it out. But saying that, well, we're getting once a new iPhone gets announced, we're gonna we're gonna acquire an, another iPhone for just for testing purposes, so we can download and check the check out your app um, at that time as well. Yeah. Cool. Speak of which, where can people find out more about your businesses and yourself? Yeah. Well, so the yeah, thanks. Uh, so I'm on LinkedIn. You can find me, Adrian King. And um, you can find out about the animation business at redboat.com.au. It's red boat, as in like, you know, boat floats on water that's painted red. Uh, redboat.com.au. And that's a whole other story. I won't go into why I called it that. <laughs> but that's Redboat the company for the animation. And then for Brivio is brivio.com. B-R-I-V-V-I-O.com. Love it. And uh, Love it. that's also on the app store. Yeah, awesome. Um, Let's let's get into the top twelve if you're ready. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, top three books or podcasts that you recommend? Yeah. Look, I'm listening to an audiobook at the moment, which I'm loving, and that's uh, Gamification by Yukai Chow, uh, which is his Octalysis framework. It's brilliant. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it kind of touches on a lot of the amazing stuff that we've been talking about to do with purpose and and what motivates people as well. So, uh, you know, it's a, it's a great book about. Uh, gamifying businesses technology but it also applies to all sorts of other things like life you know how, how you can um use these sort of human psychology things in um in life what else gosh oh pitch anything was great one i read recently um by oren claff that's fantastic if you some great stuff in there um contagious was also brilliant so you can see the theme of the books i've been reading a lot about communication, pitching, business, and uh, human psychology of understanding how people engage with experiences and businesses and tech. Um, yeah. Hooked was another one that was really good uh, by, uh, what's his name? Nia Yao, I think it was Ryan Hoover. I'm just scanning through my audible list at the moment. Yeah, nice. I'm an uh, audiobook fan as well, I think. Um, yeah. It's just amazing. Oh, Venture Deals by Bradfield was a good one uh, that a lot of people talk about. You know what? Also, I love books like Homer Deus and um, you know, by Yuval Noah Haran. So I think I pronounced that correctly. Um, that stuff's really cool. I love all that stuff about, I suppose it's sort of an anthropological view of humans over the <laughs> millennia. Um, yeah. Is that that's uh, three or four? <laughs> that's about five or six, but love it. <laughs> um, top three software tools that you can't live without. Oh man. Okay. Now you got me. 
Mm. What's the first thing you check when you're out of bed on your phone? Like what, is there an app that you go to? Yeah. First thing I go to, uh, you know, I read the news stuff. It's, that's probably the first thing is catch up on some news, which I probably shouldn't do because it's very depressing these days. I hate to say it, but I do use read Facebook to stay in touch with friends, um, stuff like that. Um, but you know, it's all right. The, you know, I, a lot of stuff is actually Slack is a big part of my life now, which I never thought it would be, but it has become that to discuss with my team. Email, I have a love hate relationship with, and I use Gmail, but it's, I'm struggling with email these days. Like it's just become this stream of emails that it's hard to keep up with. And it, because it's I too many marketing lists I'm on or something like that. And no matter how many times I've gone through this process of getting back to inbox zero <laughs> and yeah, it never seems to last, which so things like Slack, I like because they're actually built around this concept of a conversational stream. So that type of, uh, I think we're shifting, you know, in terms of that transactional conversations to become more slack like yeah definitely emails like, got even a, for us yeah. um external communication still happens through email but where we can we put clients into other like we use hangouts internally which is a google product similar to slack we yeah. we would put you know we're happy to add a client on slack if that's easier for them to communicate or we text with a few clients or i text with a few clients who so it's almost like a question that we put put to them and say what's What's the best way to communicate with you? Um, like our bookkeep, the bookkeeper and I, we always text or call because we've we've sort of established that that's the bit best way to get an immediate action from either one of us. So I think part of sort of what we're sort of coming up with is that looking at sort of the tools and looking at how that fits into your life and how it works and not necessarily just doing things mm-hmm. because that's how things have been done. I think really, really sort of tweaking what you're doing for why you're doing it is, is a is a good way to um, approach it. Top three mantras you try to live by. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've kind of got one, which is uh, believe nothing, entertain everything. And what that means is, I mean, it's kind of believe nothing, right? Don't believe stuff. Always question everything because there's always a different view of reality. And it goes down to a fundamental, I suppose, acknowledgement that, each of us has a valid experience of reality and not to believe other people's views necessarily. And to, to the entertain everything part of it is that if you don't entertain everything, you're accepting limitations from uh, preconceived ideas, whether it be your own limitations or other people's projections of what's lim- what is achievable. And so entertain everything means always leave leave your options open to something bigger and better and more exciting or more passion filled or more purposeful or better outcomes because uh, everything's possible. Nothing's true. Exactly. Like the, the, that's something I come across a lot of is, um, you know, I just keep, keep thinking because people say that's not possible. That's impossible. That's so rare. But the, the way I look at it is if, if humans already done it, then, I'm a human too, and I can probably do it. And if a human hasn't done it, um, and if there's no, you know, there's there's no reason why you can't try and do it, and you can't explore it. So, um, entertaining everything, I think, is is how I go sort of go into everything with an open mind. Because there have been meetings where you know we talk to a client, and you know this is sort of the 
30th, 50th client from the same industry. And we go in sort of knowing this is the, this is the playbook that we're going to follow for these guys. And, you know, they say something or they've tapped into something that just completely opens everything up. And if we didn't go in with that, with that mindset of, you know, this is an idea that we have, but we've got to really build out our solution based on the client. We could have left something on the table that, that, you know, we, we would have otherwise been able to tap into. So, um, love that, love that. Um, top three people you follow or study and why do you, do you sort of keep track of what, what I know certain entrepreneurs, business people are doing anything like that? Not really. I probably should. Um, yeah, no, not really. Uh, Yeah, that'd be good. <laughs> well, I think it's a great idea, mate. I'll start doing that. <laughs> I mean, I don't. I, I I ask the question every episode, but I don't. Yeah. I mean, I would lie if I said I do that. But at the same time, I think that's for me because I am trying as much as possible to run my own race. I'm very good at putting pressure on myself without necessarily having to look at what other people are doing to put more pressure on myself. But at the same yeah. time, I think there's so, there's so many great people out there. I mean, I, I think I go through phases of spending a bit of time looking at each at different people. Uh, I remember there was a phase where I, I followed a lot of oh God, brains gone blank. Um, you know, the video guy, vid, social video guy that everybody knows is pretty outspoken. Gary Vaynerchuk. Always wears a Gary, Gary V. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I was following a lot of his stuff for a while. You know, and I follow a lot of these sort of outspoken, so they're all over social media. And, you know, it's interesting to follow and listen and, and you know, take, a, take, take it all with a pinch of salt. But there's some great stuff in there if you read, especially if you read between the lines, because um, not every, it, there is never, I find with those types of influences, there's n- never a one size fits all solution. You know, they have some great stuff and great content, but it's not always applicable to everybody. And so you have to just selectively pick bits and pieces from different people and find out what works for you. And that's true for everybody in the sense of that, you know, nobody's going to have the same uh, circumstances and situation or business. So I move around. One I'm doing at the moment is uh, with a great guy that does video ninjas. His name's Ken Owasaki. And he's based in Tokyo and he does some great courses and trainings about uh, being becoming a better video presenter, presenting and marketing, doing marketing videos and stuff like that. He's, he's great. I recommend his stuff. What else? Yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> no, to- to- totally agree. And I think quickly touching on your Gary, Gary V point or talking, you know, look at listening to, influencers i think what you've got to remember um even when it comes to businesses just because they've had success um even if you know that that person or the company that they're working looks exactly like yours ultimately it's execution and it's a lot more factors that go into it than than just um you know than just oh they worked for someone in my industry so they will be able to do the same thing thing for me and the same thing applies like for testimonials same thing applies for influencers putting out messages just because you know it worked for them to work for their dad in, in Gary V's case for a long time and you know take mm. build the first online wine library and all that stuff i mean good luck trying to create the world's first online whatever nowadays everything's yeah. everything's been yeah, done right. so um you just got to yeah. but you've got to take out of that you know that maybe the point is yeah. that you've you, you've got to be willing to just work your butt off or experiment okay. and innovate and take take yeah. from yeah. that what what your message needs to be. So thanks for your time, yeah. Adrian. My pleasure, man. A My wonderful conversation. Pleasure. Yeah, it's been awesome.
would yeah. love to um would love to catch up sometime and um for one, one last yeah. one last time um give us the two different links for your two different businesses thanks man yeah so red boat the animation business is redboat.com.au and Brivio for the app that lets you create branded and captioned videos instantly is Brivio.com, B-R-I-V-V-I-O.com. Awesome. Thanks again.